Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, we come to You this morning in prayer. We come to You as Your sheep. You are our shepherd. We listen for Your voice in the Scriptures. And we follow You. Father, again, we come before You confessing that our, our perspective of who You are and what You can do and what You have promised in Christ, our perspective of those things is far too small. We are woefully deficient in our fear of You and our awe of You and all of Your perfections. Father, thank You for revealing Yourself to us. We confess our our shortfall there and we rest in Your forgiveness. And we're thankful that through Christ we we are righteous before You and You intend to change us as Your children and Your sheep. You intend to change our thoughts and our ways. Father, Your your thoughts are far higher than ours and Your ways than ours. And we want to bear Your likeness and image in ourselves. And through salvation, You've promised to do that, to to recreate us into the image and the likeness of of our God. So open Your Word to us this morning that we can behold Your glory and be changed into that same image. That we can see You as You are, know You as You are, and trust You as You ought to be trusted. Love You as You deserve. Father, we'll we'll never fulfill those desires until we see You face to face and we're glorified. But Father, it is our desire to progress, to move along, to change, and not stay the way we are and the way we think and the way we respond to the anxieties and fears of this life, we don't want to stay the same, Father, in our hearts and in our lives. So we ask that You, through Your Word, would sanctify us in the truth. We know that You hear the prayers of Your Son and will answer them positively, with joy and love. Father, we want to be sanctified in the truth. We want to be united as the body of Christ, and united with You and the Son and the Spirit in all that we do. Father, we we thank You. We, We ask that You would do these things for Your glory, for our joy, for the salvation of the world around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated.
Last week we began a series, a short series away from our first or our second Timothy series, and the title of the series is Answering Anxiety, as you know, and we're seeking to biblically understand what anxiety is, and we're also seeking to biblically answer our anxieties with truth. Psalm 56, 3 and 4 says, David confesses, he says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? And it is our heart's desire to take up that same heart, that same response to our own anxieties and fears. We made some important introductory observations from the Scriptures last week regarding fear and anxiety. Let me just review those with you quickly. First, we made an observation that fear is common. It's a common human experience. It's not some people fear and some people don't. It's because of being human in a weak, fallen state, we have struggles with fear. And the way we know that, one reason is because the Bible says fear not more than it gives any other command in all of the Scriptures. And beyond that, we read of David and his his constant battle with fears. You look in the Psalms and you see David struggling with all different human experiences such as anxiety and fear. Another observation we made is that the Bible explains anxiety and fear and portrays them as both a, a righteous action and a sinful expression. You can be anxious in a righteous way. You can be anxious in a sinful way. You can have righteous and holy fear. You can have sinful fear. And we talked about that with some detail last week. We also noted that sinful anxiety and fear are emotions that we feel when we're threatened by a potential loss or we experience a loss of something that we value. We noted that the instigator of our anxious and fearful responses can be many different things. Earthly circumstances, various earthly circumstances. Other people, spiritual beings such as angels and demons, Satan, various other created things. When really, the one being that we should fear is whom? God and God alone. And the most natural human responses to dealing with anxieties and fears is to try to shut them out, to try to shut out what is threatening us by trying to control one's circumstances. And Human beings attempt to control their earthly circumstances in various ways. Another way that human beings attempt to deal with anxiety and fear is simply to escape, to avoid, to distract oneself, or deaden the feelings of anxiety and fear by some kind of earthly escape. And of course, neither of those are a true solution to anxiety or fear. They just put it off for another day, really. And if sinful anxiety and fear are left unchecked and not dealt with biblically, they will have a powerful, harmful effect upon our lives. Ultimately, we will not bring the kind of glory to God that that He deserves as our Creator, our God, our Savior. Psalm 29, verse 25 reads, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Proverbs 14.27 The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life 
that one may turn away from the snares of death. I find those Proverbs very interesting. The fear of man is a snare. It's a net. It's a trap. Illustrated by setting the trap for the animal waiting for the kill. And yet, to fear the Lord is not a snare unto death, but what is it? It's a fountain of life. Turning away from the snares of death. The only biblical response to anxiety and fear is what? The fear of the Lord. Being in awe of God. Just like we fight fire with fire, and that's a, that's a real thing. We, we lived out in California for some time, and when you see controlled fire burning away the fuel of the uncontrolled fire, it's where it stops, right? So we fight fire with fire, and, and so it is with fear. We fight sinful fear with holy fear. We fight the fear of all created things with the fear of the Lord. And that is to be filled with the knowledge of God. To be filled with a reverence and a respect and an awe for God and a trusting love for Him. We fight anxiety with a holy awe of God. And the only way to truly overcome anxiety and fear in our hearts at the moment when we are threatened by some earthly loss or something threatens to tempt us to fear and place, and place uh, our, our heart away from trusting the Lord, the only way we can respond to that is to take those fears and those threats and put them against the infinite backdrop of the glory of our God and His greatness and His goodness and seek to remain in awe of Him. Make spiritual Logical connections, biblical connections between specific anxieties and fears that torment us and the specific perfections of God that soundly answer and silence those anxieties and fears with the truth of who God is and what He can do and who He has promised to be to us as His redeemed children. And so as we work through this text together and we pray to our Heavenly Father in Christ, we ask that the Spirit and the Word would teach us to respond that way. And not just as we sit here in a, in a room together, but when we go back to our normal daily routines and we are confronted with those things that threaten us and we are tempted to be fearful and anxious. So with this spiritual strategy in mind, let's begin to look at some familiar texts. That's what we've begun to do. We're, we're on the, one, uh, the first one of, of several. And to learn to fight fear with fear of God. And fight anxiety with the awe of God. I want to look at some familiar texts because they are familiar to you. And many of these you'll have already in your memory. So you can just take them right into battling fear and use them. So let's pick up right where we left last week in Psalm 23. And again, notice Psalm. this psalm addresses fear head on. Verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And again, notice David makes a connection between his particular fear in this psalm and a specific attribute of God. What is it? He says, I will fear no evil. Why? The omnipresence of God. You are with me. And that's what we need to learn to do. 
we, need, we don't need to deny the existence of our fears. We don't need to try to escape them. We don't need to try to ignore them. We look at them as they are. I, will, I, I see this, this fear, the valley of the shadow of death, but I don't have to be afraid of that because of the omnipresence of God. His love for me, His care over me. We need to be that specific. And that's where, that's where Scripture comes in. There's no way to overcome sinful anxiety and fear if we do not know the Word of God and know the character of God. We have to be able to easily and readily make those connections in Scripture say, okay, here's where Scripture deals with my fear with some perfection of God. And the reason David could say this in verse 4 is because he knew the Lord was his shepherd. He knew, and he knew what kind of shepherd the Lord was and is to his sheep. And that's the same reason we can overcome fear. Because we know the Lord is our shepherd and we know what kind of shepherding He does. So with that in mind, let's look at this psalm again. What kind of shepherd is the Lord? How does He shepherd us? We looked at the first four, uh, the verse three last week. Verses one and two, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. We summarized it this way, He feeds me. He provides for us physically and spiritually. That eliminates so many fears from our heart. Number two, He restores me. He restores my soul. Verse three, the first part of it. He restores me. Number three, He leads me. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. We looked at those last week. Let's, let's move ahead. Look at verse four this, this morning. Number four, in your outline, you have it there in your, in, your, in your notes in the bulletin. He comforts me. Number four, verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you remember from last week, each phrase that David communicates to us regarding the shepherding capacity of God, we first looked at from the perspective of the shepherd over his sheep, literal shepherding over sheep. And then we, com- then we apply it to the spiritual relationship between us and our, and our Lord. So first, the analogy of the sheep and shepherd. This verse, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, this, this verse could also be translated, literally, the valley of deep darkness. And the reason why some versions translated the phrase deep darkness, others shadow of death, is because there are no vowels in the original Hebrew manuscript. Only consonants. So the consonants are the same for each rendering. The difference would be depend on which vowel points you put with the consonants. But really either reading is fitting. Deep darkness or the shadow of death. And you could see how seeing those two phrases could more broadly Capture some of our fears, deep darkness, maybe, maybe personal, emotional darkness, others thinking of it as being nearing death. The valley is the metaphor in the Bible for a place of darkness. That's reflected in many of the songs that we sing. Valley is a place of darkness and, and discouragement and often fear. Imagine the shepherd leading a herd of sheep way down below the hills and mountains. And the shepherd is leading his sheep into areas of green pasture and still water like we know. 
But along the way, he brings his sheep through places where it is dark, where the pathway isn't straight, where it's tight, and there aren't places to run and hide, and you can't see around the corner where some predator might be hiding, a bear, a lion, a wolf. And in that valley of darkness, where the sheep are maybe nervous, you know how animals get, what would be comforting to a herd of skittish sheep? The presence of their shepherd. The sheep need not fear. The sheep need not fear anything that could bring them harm while their shepherd is with them. They're comforted by His presence, by His calm. I mean, you know how animals can feel your demeanor inside. It's pretty amazing. And He comforts them by His gentle voice, by His soothing words. And in that valley, they crowd around Him. That's what sheep, they, they do. They, they crowd around their shepherd. They enjoy His extra attentive presence. And there are two tools that the shepherd carries with him that augment his comfort. For the sheep, not only his presence, but then we see here his rod and his staff. His presence, his rod, his staff bring the sheep comfort. The sheep have learned to be comforted by the shepherd's rod. What is the rod? The rod is a club to defend the sheep against attacking animals, or to discipline a wayward sheep. The rod brings a sense of security to the sheep. The staff, what's the, what's the staff? The sheep have learned to be comforted by the shepherd's staff. It's a long stick with a hook on it, used for guiding and controlling the sheep. Again, these give the sheep a sense of comfort. When the shepherd is near them, when he's shepherding them with his rod and staff, they know they're going the right way. They feel safe because of all the strength and ability of the shepherd being immediately present to defend and guide them. A good shepherd comforts his sheep, especially in dark places when evil seems most threatening. Now bring that over, and we've already started to bring it over, to the analogy of the sheep and the shepherd, us and the Lord. I'm sure you've already begun to think about it, how this applies to the Lord's shepherding of you. The Lord's sheep are on paths of righteousness. Remember what we talked about with that? He's leading us into Christ-likeness for His glory. And often on those paths of righteousness, we go into valleys of deep darkness. It's inevitable. It works for our good. It causes us to bear the likeness of Christ. And there are seasons of life that are darker than others. Can you look back over your days and see and remember seasons that were darker and more challenging than other seasons of your life? Seasons which it seems that very little can bring any lasting comfort to us. When you're in those seasons, you ask the question, am I the Lord's sheep? And are you? Are you walking through a valley of deep darkness even now? That Maybe it's the death of a loved one, a recent death could be a valley of deep darkness. Maybe you're struggling with some deep depression or anxiety. Maybe you're battling sin and guilt and the battle seems very dark to you. 
Maybe you are nursing a loved one who's on their deathbed. Maybe you're sick yourself. Maybe you're struggling under the weight of physical illness. Maybe you have found yourself in an earthly circumstance that seems hopeless to be rid of or to overcome. So listen, whatever it is, listen, beloved, none of the Lord's sheep need fear any evil in any valley. They need fear no real or eternal harm to them. Why? Because He's with them. And, and there's so much to consider when we, we pray that for each other sometimes, don't we? We say, Father, please be with them. What do we mean when we say that? What does David mean when he says, you are with me? You know, it goes beyond omnipresence. Right? Because God is everywhere. But He's not with people for people all the time, right? Sometimes He's with someone against them, but not with His sheep. He's with you for you, right? Romans 8. What can separate us from the love of God? If God is for you, who can be against you? He's with us. He's in us through the Holy Spirit. And He's working for our good constantly. It may not feel that way. It may not be pleasant. We know, Hebrews 12, that seasons of discipline are not pleasant, but they're good. They bring about the peaceable fruit of righteousness. He's with us. He's for us. Sometimes the only comfort we can find in the, in the valley of deep darkness, and yet it's the only comfort we really need, is the presence of the Lord and knowing with confidence that He is leading us in paths of righteousness for our good, for His honor. Maybe you've had a situation like that where you've been in a, a dark valley of, of your life and you're confused about why things are happening. You're confused about what to do and what to think. And sometimes you can't, you don't even have the energy to process all that you feel like you need to, but one thing you can know, He is with you and He's leading you. And just that is enough because you know Him and you know who He is to you and you know what He can do and you know His promises to you. He's with you. The Lord is with you. Your shepherd, Yahweh, and all of His infinite resources are immediately present with you in every season of trouble to protect you and provide for you according to the wisdom of the shepherd. Dear ones, listen. There is no three-step formula for choosing some better feelings and circumstances here. And you know how people try to do that. Today, I'm going to get up and I'm going to choose whatever, fill in the blank. You know, you're just going to choose it. And there's no, there's no real understanding at all. But that's not what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is looking at your situation, staring it right in the face, face and knowing the Lord is with me. And I know Him. And I know His promises and He is glorious and great and good. Some valleys strip us down and we keenly feel our frailty and helplessness. And it's good of God to do that because then we experience His strength and His wisdom like never before. Some valleys call us to, uh, cause us to feel the, the falling away of every comfort. Have you felt that? The falling away of every earthly comfort except for one. The Lord is with you. That comfort cannot leave you. 
And you know, there's, there are some places, and, and human presence and human relationship is comfort, God, comforting. God uses that. But again, there are some places in our existence where no other human being can, can go with us, either because they don't understand or they simply can't go with us. But you know what? The Lord always is with you. And He always understands infinitely. Some places in life, darkness, discouragement, doubt, even death itself. For every sheep of the Lord in every valley of deepest darkness, He's with us. He assures us of His unbroken presence through His words. He reminds us of His unfailing promises through His words. He reminds us of His unrivaled power through His words. Psalm 16, 7-11, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set... Let me slow down. Listen to these words. I read stuff too fast sometimes. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night my heart also instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand. I shall never be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 46, 1-7, through God is our refuge and strength. What? A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. That's us, the people of God. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters His voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Again, Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am what? with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You see, a sheep in a sheep of the Lord in a valley of deep darkness need only remember who the shepherd is where the shepherd is and why he's there because he loves you you're his this is how you answer anxiety and fear the lord also comforts his people with his rod and his staff bring that over think about that consider that his rod and his staff the lord's rod is what his discipline his protection in our lives. The Lord's staff is His direction, His guidance. The, most commonly, the Lord most commonly disciplines and protects and directs and guides His people through what? 
the Word of God, and trials. The Lord disciplines or trains us in the valley of deep darkness. He forms the fruit of holiness and Christ-likeness in us as we learn to humbly submit to His will and totally rely on His strength. As we feel the rod of trials upon our lives and the staff of His Word on our hearts, He's breaking us of our, of our propensity to wander. He's ridding us of trust in ourselves and our, 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 our bent to seek after earthly things for satisfaction and security. And yet all the while, He's protecting us from countless dangers of our soul. The evil one. The world. Our own flesh. Our fallen humanness. And all of that is a comfort to us. It reminds us that He is with us, that we're His, that He is ours. Again, I referred to Hebrews 12. Let me read a section of that to you. This is comfort to us. This is the Lord's rod that is comfort to us. His staff. Hebrews 12, 5-11, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him, For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. It's for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us, our earthly fathers, for a short time as it seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That's why we can say, your rod and staff, they comfort me. Because it doesn't matter what situation of life a child of God finds himself in. We know, we know that when it's very difficult and we sense the training rod and staff of the Lord upon our lives, we know He's doing it for our good. So what is there to fear then? If the Lord is orchestrating those, the movement of His rod and staff, and it's, and it's bringing about our good and His glory, what is there to fear? What can we lose? We will only gain what God has for us. No need to fear evil, even in the valley of deep darkness, because the Lord's rod and staff are always doing their work of comfort in the life of the sheep. The rod and staff will not ruin us. It will not destroy us. They will make us holy and whole for the glory of God. So fear not. He comforts you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want Number five this morning, he protects me. Look at verse five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Some think as they read the psalm that David is sort of departing from the analogy of sheep and shepherd here, and he's not. It, It continues even in these verses. Verse 5 speaks to the shepherd's continuing and variable methods of protection. Think of it this way. Sheep still have to eat when there's danger nearby. Right? 
The shepherd spreads a table, prepares a table before the sheep, even when enemies are present. It seems to me that it would be virtually impossible for a shepherd to totally eliminate every evil, every conceivable threat to the sheep before they can eat. The sheep trust their shepherd even when danger is present because the shepherd provides protection to the sheep even from dangers that are visible so that the sheep can continue to be nourished. For example, some pasture land that the sheep will feed, where the sheep will feed, will have weeds that are harmful to the sheep. Weeds that could even kill the sheep if eaten. Again, there may be wolves, bears, lions, eagles around, and still, because the shepherd is such an effective protector, the sheep can eat and be full. The shepherd is in complete control of the enemies so the sheep can eat in peace. Now, what's the oil about? You anoint my head with oil. Well, as, many, as with many herding animals, lice, flies, other parasitic bugs like to get into the animal's eyes and ears and nose, and they lay their eggs and use the animal as a host. So the shepherd would put some sort of oil on his sheep's head and faces to protect the sheep against irritants and dangers. And as the shepherd controls the sheep's enemies like this and protects them against the pests and parasites, the sheep can eat and be full and enjoy the benefit of the nourishment that the shepherd has provided and they can have enough, they can be satisfied even with these threats around them. And so that's why the sheep of such a shepherd could say if they were able to speak, my cup overflows. The shepherd protects me even when enemies are near, visible, in, in the area and I can still be nourished and satisfied. It's a good shepherd described here. Now, bring it over to the analogy of the Lord and His people. As the shepherd protects His sheep, the Lord protects His people. See, He doesn't always remove difficult problems, does He? That would be nice, I suppose. We get to the prayer and we say, Lord, please, this is a problem I'm seeing coming. Please take it! And it's gone. That's not the way life is. He doesn't always relieve us from the affliction. He doesn't always foul the temptation that comes to us right away, does He? Sometimes He leaves it linger. And He leaves the pressure on. That's all part of His good plan for us. He doesn't always lift the weight of trials. Some trials last years, don't they? He doesn't always quickly eliminate the tribulation. But here's the issue. While those difficulties are present in our lives, He does give us the kind of protection that we need from being corrupted and destroyed by those trials and by those temptations. And in those difficulties, He provides for us and refreshes us and nourishes us so that we may grow and mature and benefit by His shepherding through those difficulties. Our Lord can rescue us from every difficulty. Sometimes He does, but more often He chooses for us to be preserved in and through the difficulty. Do you see? 
What the Lord wants for His sheep is for us to experience His perfect sufficiency in the presence of our enemies, as it were. He would rather that we experience His strengthening us for the problem. His stealing us against temptation. His sustaining us through the trial. His supporting us in the tribulation. And honestly, that brings more joy anyway, doesn't it? Think about that for a minute. Your life is just easy sailing and you don't feel any problems. No threat of anxiety. You're just, you're just having fun. Now, that's nice. But think about the other times when there is the presence of an affliction and yet in it, you have peace and joy and experience conquest. Now that's a different level of joy. You, you begin to experience the greatness and the strength and the provisions of God in the midst of it. He would rather that we experience His sufficiency in the presence of our enemies for than, than there to be no enemies or difficulties and consequently we do not experience and enjoy His sufficiency in the way that we otherwise would to that degree. This is what David is thinking about when he wrote and sang, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Yes, the enemies are present. Yes, there are pestilence around me. But in the midst of it, you're keeping me, you're protecting me, you're providing for me, you're nourishing me, you're sustaining me, you're maturing me. It's good. My cup overflows. And David experienced so many afflictions in his life as a man after God's own heart, didn't he? Think about what he experienced personally. How long was he chased by Saul? He faced Goliath. He was betrayed by his son late in life. Oh, he was sorely tempted to sin, just to name a few. And yet in it, through it, God protected his soul from being destroyed. God preserved him. God provided for him. God sustained him. God matured him to become a man after his own heart and the greatest king of Israel. Right? David's life wasn't easy sailing. Beloved, hasn't it been in the most difficult seasons of your life that you have experienced the sufficiency of God in the greatest ways? Hasn't it been in those seasons of pain that you have discovered and understood the perfections of God most clearly? It's like that's when the lights come on for us, right? That's when God is experienced in ways we otherwise wouldn't. You experience then the power of God most keenly. It is when God sustains you and satisfies you in the presence of those trials and tribulations and, tri and, and troubles that your cup overflows even to the point where you might even say, when you're through it, I wish I could know God like that again. Right? You've had those thoughts. That's when God reveals to us and feeds us in ways that are fresh and new and powerful. Our shepherd is more about what he is accomplishing in us through the afflictions and difficulties. He's more about what he's doing to accomplish good things in us than he is about the relief when we want it immediately through a solution. Our shepherd is more about the process than the solution. Our shepherd could immediately throw the rescue switch and provide a solution if he wanted to, but he wants us to go through the difficulty with him so that we can experience his protection and provision. In the presence of our enemies, he promises to satisfy us 
and experience His goodness in the presence of our enemies. He wants us, He wants our cup to overflow with, with joy and His provision and strength and power. He'd rather we be sanctified than free from temptation. He'd rather we be made like Christ than have a pleasant, plain, pain-free existence. He would rather that we learn to trust Him than we feel no need. He'd rather we be satisfied in Him than to feel no earthly losses. He would rather that we love Him more than anything else and be loved by Him alone rather than experience no disappointment or betrayal in life. And isn't this exactly what Jesus prayed in the high priestly prayer, John 17? He said, I do not ask what? That you take them out of the world. But what? That you keep them from the evil one. That's what Jesus is praying. Jesus didn't pray that we be removed from the world and all of its difficulties while we're here. Jesus prayed that the Father would keep us in the Father's name, John 17, 11, and that the Father would sanctify us in truth, John 17, 17. And this is, this is what it means to eat in the presence of our enemies, to have our heads anointed with oil, to have cups that overflow, kept promises, sanctified, sustained. And the Apostle Paul knew this, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But what did, what did the Lord say to, to Paul? My strength is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. For when I'm weak, what? Then I am strong. That's this. That's a table prepared in the presence of enemies with a cup that overflows. Paul knew what it was like to eat in the presence of his enemies and to have his cup overflow. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He feeds me. He restores me. He leads me. He comforts me. He protects me. And number six this morning, He pursues me. Look at verse six here. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The analogy of the sheep and shepherd. Think of it this way. The good shepherd is not passive about caring for his sheep. He doesn't just meander half-heartedly, hoping to fall upon some good times for his sheep. He doesn't just wander through the wilderness hoping for good luck to fall on his sheep. He's positive constantly, diligently pursuing everything that he has promised to himself to give to his sheep. He knows his sheep will not survive without him and without his devoted care. Have you noticed how, 
how badly things can go so quickly, you who have animals, when the animals are neglected for a day or two? That can get out of hand sometimes. They cannot find, sheep cannot find green pastures for themselves. They can't find quiet waters on their own. They'll not be able to restore themselves from being cast like we talked about. They won't lead themselves into right paths. In fact, sheep are notorious for following one another into danger, right? Even right off a cliff, yes? The sheep will need the shepherd to be with them in the valleys to protect them from enemies. The sheep can't do that for themselves. So the shepherd diligently pursues his sheep for their good. The good shepherd's very diligent, ambitious. He loves his sheep. Is that the way the Lord is with us? He is. As the shepherd pursues his sheep, the Lord pursues his people for their good. He follows me all the days of my life. He pursues me. That is, a, that is an intense word. He pursues me. And how does he pursue us? With what? His goodness, his mercy, his loving kindness, his covenant devotion and love to us. Goodness and mercy is better translated steadfast love. Steadfast love is that covenant affection and devotion with which the Lord has bound himself to his people, his sheep. 2 Corinthians 1.20 All the promises of the Lord are what? Yes and amen in Jesus Christ. He pursues you. Do you realize that? As, as his sheep? He pursues you. He chases you with his steadfast love. He's hot on your trail with his steadfast love. He will not let you live without the lavish gifts of his love. He will not let you miss out on all that his steadfast love has promised to you. You just look through the gospel passages and you see all that God promises to those who are his own. He won't let you live without those. He will not let one aspect of his eternal covenant of steadfast love for you go unfulfilled in your life. He's promised that to himself. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We can't maintain that. No, it's God Himself who pursues us with His steadfast love. You can't perform well enough as a Christian to keep it. But nothing can slow God down as our shepherd from pursuing us who are His sheep. God has made a covenant with Himself and sworn by His own name to pursue us who are His chosen people for our good. He is guaranteed that he will pursue with his salvation and goodness all who are in Christ by faith and, been, and those who have been purchased by the blood of his Christ. Listen to this. Here's the point. Romans 8, 31-39. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, nakedness, danger, sword? 
As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, He will never let you go. He cannot. His Son paid for you on the cross. His Son intercedes for you. He will pursue you who are His chosen sheep. And He will do so for how long? All the days of your life. Not just the happy days, the gray days too. Not just the easy days, the hard days. Not just days where you feel especially holy. holy. Well, I'm near to God now. No, He's still pursuing you for your good, for His glory. Frustrating days, pleasant days. His steadfast love will pursue you all the days of your life. For the fulfillment of every loving promise. For, your, for His steadfast love's sake. Nothing can hinder Him. Knowing this, believing this, taking this to heart, crushes some of our deepest fears. Maybe fear of eternally being lost from the love of God. If you're a child of God and a sheep of the shepherd, there's nothing in all of creation that you need fear because nothing can separate you from an eternity of being pursued by the loyal love of God for you in Christ, because of Christ. Final point for this morning. He satisfies me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I need fear, not even the darkest valley. Why? He feeds me. He restores me. He leads me. He comforts me. He protects me. He pursues me. He satisfies me. So last part. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As we have already said, sheep are skittish animals. They can be spooked very easily. Something frightens them. They can start running off in all directions. Their companions will follow. But when are they most at rest, most satisfied? When they're fed, when they're comforted, when they're with their shepherd. That's the, that's the sheep's favorite place to be, right? With the shepherd. When we come to the end of our earthly days, in which the Lord has been pursuing us with His steadfast love, what will be the result? We will be with the Lord forever. Take this to heart. We will be forever satisfied in the eternal presence of God. Having been fed, having been restored when we've gone wrong, having been led through every righteous path that He has for us, having been comforted, protected, pursued, we'll be satisfied eternally. Psalm 131, 2 and 3, David says, But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord. From this time forth and what? Forevermore. Psalm 65, 4, Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house and the holiness of your temple. Psalm 17, 15, As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I'll be satisfied with your likeness. John 17, 24, Father, 
Jesus prays, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Philippians 1.21, what does that say? For me to live is what? Christ and to die is what? Gain? To die is gain. That is how we view death, the most frightening enemy of all, as it were, when the Lord is our shepherd. To die, it's not a great loss anymore. What is it? It's the greatest of gain. Why? I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, this, this is the nail in the coffin for fear. When we are with the Lord, our, our shepherd forever, what will we think of the valleys of life, no matter how dark they were? When we are with the Lord, our shepherd, in his house, what will we think about? What do we think of the presence of enemies long past? Do you ever, do you ever think about that? How will I, when, when you're in the deepest, darkest valleys of life and struggle, sometimes fast forward and think, when I'm with the Lord, how will I look back on this? When we're satisfied with Him, we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This, this is the most powerful thought in the presence of any trouble. It truly is. The most powerful thought. Think about all the losses that you might experience. And in the end, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That is so freeing. That's the most freeing thought when great loss threatens. That's the most victorious thought. That's the freedom of the Christian. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The most comforting thought. We will dwell in His house. Think deeply about that today, beloved, and tomorrow and every day after that. Lord, bring these thoughts back to our minds. Every one of Christ's sheep have a temporary earthly life and an eternal heavenly life with God. Which life means more to you? Which life captures your thoughts and affections? We will either set our thoughts and our affections on the things of this earthly life and be plagued by fear and anxiety, or we will set our thoughts and affections on our eternal life with the Lord that lasts forever. Everything about this earthly life is going to pass away. Things of this earth will wear out and disappoint and are, will be lost to us and produce pain and leave us hungry. Nothing about this earthly life is lasting or truly satisfying. But life with God is forever. And will bring to us everything that we crave and long for righteously. Everything that will truly satisfy. And the more we taste and preview our eternal life that is hidden with Christ in God as we read the Scriptures and the more we release our grasp of and our desire for earthly things, the more secure and satisfied we'll be. This is how we fear no evil. And of course, this is only possible because of Christ, right? We could not even be the Lord's sheep apart from Christ. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? He feeds me. He restores me. He leads me. He comforts me. He protects me. He pursues me. He satisfies me. So as we bring this, this particular scripture to a close, you can, 
continue to meditate on these things, but what anxieties and fears grip you? Do you know them? Have you written them down even? Thought about them? Take those specific anxieties and fears and answer them. Answer them specifically with the truths about who your shepherd is, what he can do, and how he shepherds you, and what he promises to you in Christ. Answer them. Don't leave them unanswered. Don't ignore them. Don't minimize them. Confess them to your Father and answer them with truth. Psalm 27, 1-6. I won't read these. You read them later. Here's your homework. Psalm 27, 1-6. Psalm 34, 4-11. Psalm 55, all of it. And as we close this morning, before I pray, let me just ask you again, as I did last week, the big difference here between those who will eternally be, or shall I say, Throughout their life, they will never be relieved from fear. And those who will begin to have the fear lifted is this question. Is the Lord your shepherd? If you know that the Lord is your shepherd, you have all of this to care for you. Is He your shepherd? How do I know? What did Jesus say? My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give to them eternal life. And they will never perish. And none of them will be plucked out of my hand. You know that you are the Lord's sheep if through the Scriptures you have heard the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The Gospel of salvation. You've come to realize your own sin. He, you've seen Christ and His claims in Scripture. You've heard His voice. Not audibly, but through the Scriptures. And you believe what He says about you as a sinner in need of salvation because God's wrath abides on those who are in sin and have not turned to Christ. You know this is true. The Lord's sheep understand their need for salvation knowing that they cannot save themselves. They cannot be good enough. They cannot be righteous before God. They need Christ's perfect life to cover them. They need His death to remove their guilt and their punishment. And they follow Him. They come to Him in repentance and faith. They embrace Him by faith. They trust what He has done for them. They rest in His promises. And God said that all who come to the Son and look on Him will have everlasting life and He will raise those up in the last day. You have God's Word. You have God's promise on that. So is that you? Have you heard the gospel in the scriptures and come to Christ in, in faith and repentance from sin? If you have, then by grace, you're, you're his sheep. And all that David says in Psalm 23 is true for you. You can count on it. You can believe it. Let's stand together and we'll pray this morning. Father, we come to you and we've just done one text so far to exercise our hearts, our minds to answer fear and anxiety with fear of the Lord. Father, I ask that you would make this a pattern for all of us. A pattern of life that we would truly understand the principle of 
answering our fears with the fear of the Lord. We practice these things. Father, thank you for delivering us from, our, from the punishment of our sin and the power of sin in our lives through Christ. Thank you that you have forgiven us and removed our transgressions, all who have trusted in you. And thank you that you, you bear with us and you're patient even when we struggle and grapple with fears. And thank you that you will work in us to will and to work for your good pleasure and you will teach us to take the Scriptures as they reveal you and your promises and specifically deal with our fears as you have told us to. We pray that you would enable us to do this so that ultimately we bring glory to you that when, when the world sees us dealing with things that threaten us, even our very lives are threatened, that, that we, can, we can believe and say and demonstrate in our lives that for us to live is Christ and even to die is gain, not something we fear. Father, please, let this be so. Let us be a fearless people because we fear you. Thank you, Father. You're so good to us as our shepherd. We pray that you would bless our time now as we share at the Lord's table this morning. Encourage us in the gospel, we pray. May we lift one another up and edify one another as we remember the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.